serve, we want to take a moment, and I want to take a moment before we begin the message, and before I begin this morning's message, how to celebrate some of the ways and to lift up some of the ways and to, to kind of bless some of the ways that, that we can live into that service and some of the opportunities we have to, 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 to be faithful to the call of Christ with our lives. One of those ways that we celebrate in a moment we're going to include in our blessing and our prayer is our Stephen ministry, um, that ongoing ministry of service and caring for others. Um, another way is what we have been doing and are going to continue to do in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma and that is how do we reach out and what are some of the ways that we can care for those who have been so affected by the storm. Many of us, as we'll talk about, came through relatively unscathed. Some of you today are not as fortunate, and we know many, many thousands within our state and in our communities were not as fortunate. So what are some of the ways that we can care and reach out? Well, one is that we're going to continue... Uh, with our flood bucket and hygiene kit collection. A few weeks ago in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, we, we shared this information with you. Uh, if you would like to put together flood buckets, which are cleaning buckets with supplies that can be used for those who have been flooded or had, had damage to their homes, or hygiene kits, towels, soaps, and things, uh, there are instructions on our Facebook pages, and there is instructions at... Um, United Methodist Committee on Relief, umcor.com, on what goes into those flood buckets. The, the ones that we had previously received, we diverted. And what I mean is they, the United Methodist Committee on Relief asked us to take what we had collected for Texas and to begin to distribute that in Florida because we're now ground zero for so much need. So those buckets that we had collected, money, the supplies that you brought in, were delivered this week to parts of Florida um, and specifically around our communities where they could be then distributed to those who have need. One of our, that we've decided to join their efforts, we've really partnered with them, is in Duet. Uh, the, the Duet Volunteer Fire and Rescue has become a staging area for folks who have needs in uh, Manatee, Hardy, and South Polk County. And so we are having an ongoing collection, and I took a, a delivery on Friday, some people took some things up over yesterday, Jimmy Racky is going to take deliveries over Monday and Tuesday, and throughout the week we'll have continued deliveries. They're asking for cleaning supplies. They're asking for trash bags. They're asking for mosquito repellent and ant repellent. Uh, they are serving lunches there for people who are hungry. So if you have um, sandwich items and things, and we can put them in the refrigerator and take them over fresh, um, we're collecting those ice, uh, milk, perishable things that they can get to people who, who do, they're not expecting power in those communities for at least another week. Um, and so they're going to assess as it goes. Obviously, the hope is that it'll be much sooner. But as long as they have the need, we're going to continue to, to meet our need as best as we can. And when the, that, that need has been met, we're going to be partnering with other churches in our district and state that, that have need. Immokalee and the, the migrant workers and farm workers in Immokalee have been hit very, very hard. We're going to be looking for ways to meet that. And we'll use our Facebook page, we'll use our email, we'll do everything we can to get those needs out and those opportunities out as they arise. So this morning, you can, there's a table here, and Lori Racky is collecting things to be delivered to Duet. We also have a family in our community that is going down. They have a, um, a boat, which they lived on, that was down in Marathon in the Keys. And they're going to be going down today to try to find their boat, but also they're going to be taking supplies down. 
um, to the Keys, which were so hard hit. And um, Kathy DiCarlo is collecting ice, correct? If you brought ice, we're putting that in the freezer back in the pantry, and we're going to send that because that is a precious commodity in many of these communities. So we've got ice being collected. That's going to make its way down to the Keys today. So we're going to continue these, and we're going to try to stay as organized as we can and, and as concise as we can get in word out to you. But this is going to be an ongoing need, as you know, many, many very... Um, heavily affected areas, and maybe you were. And if you have some needs, let us know, please. You know, call the church, talk to me, um, and let me know what the need is, because we also want to care for each other. And so some of the needs that many of you have already been meeting, but if there's some needs, please let me know, and we'll start to mobilize as best we can. We want to want to do that. So, so we have congregational care, ongoing Stephen ministry. We have community care and those affected by Hurricane Irma. And then you cannot miss what is up here this morning, which is worldwide care, I guess, children and reaching children. That is these um, uh, boxes, uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes that have been packed um, this week, uh, really in a, in a um, very, um, not, not unstructured, but unplanned way. Because last Saturday was the packing party, which you'd heard so much about. That got canceled because of the hurricane, and so the, the OCC team and many of you and other volunteers around the community have really been getting in here every chance they can and could before and after to pack this. Patsy, how many? 1,200 boxes uh, that are here that we want to, to bless. These will be stored, and then in October, when, when we also then distribute boxes for you to take home and pack, um, they'll be combined together. Is that how the plan goes? They'll, so we're going to have a second round, if you will, in October when you'll be invited, as we've done in the past, if you've been here with us, to take a box and pack it and bring it back, and we'll bless those. And together, uh, they will then go to all parts of the globe and to kids all around the world. So we're very, um, very excited for this, and I, I hats off to the team that, and Patsy that led a scrambled effort to get all of this done. Um, and so we want to bless this this morning as well. And you can see a lot of our OCC volunteers. I see the red shirts, um, and they're in the red shirts if you want to know a little bit more about this ministry. So we're blessing all of these things. So let's take a moment here before, before we begin the, the sermon uh, to take a moment and do a prayer of blessing. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we, we know that your word calls us to, to live your love, that the, the witness of our faith is the way that we we embody Christ and, and we serve others. And um, you tell us that as you've done it for us, so we're to do it for others. And so we pray a blessing today. Blessing on our Stephen ministry. Our Stephen ministers who, who serve faithfully and provide ongoing care in our community, in our church, for those who are hurting and struggling and need somebody to talk to and, and somebody that cares. We pray you bless their ministry and, and bless all who they impact and touch. We pray your blessing on so many families and, and individuals that have been affected by Hurricane Irma in areas of flooding and, and significant damage. And, and we ask that you bless our efforts to get supplies and foods and, and necessary items into their hands. We thank you for those who are mobilized in those places to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to, to distribute and to meet needs. So we pray your blessing on the ongoing recovery and those who today are beginning to rebuild their lives and put the pieces back together. And Lord, we ask your blessing on these shoe boxes, these Christmas boxes that will go all year round to children around the world to be a blessing 
um, to brighten their day, to let them know that not only do other people care, but Jesus cares. And they're loved and they're valuable and they matter. Bless the children that will receive these and the joy they will face and experience. And bless each hand that have packed them and the work that has gone into it. Lord, we look for ways to serve and to be, be the light of the world that we've been called to be, to reflect your glory. So we pray these and so many other ways that we're called, that we do it faithfully, do it with joy, and do it with gratitude. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, we are going to now transition, and, and I'm going to um, be in a couple places in our, our scripture in Matthew 18, really just one verse I'm going to get to uh, a little bit later. So if you do kind of bookmark that or hold it, you can. But... um. You know, this week, this Sunday really has been and is somewhat of a, a time of reflection in the, in the aftermath of, um, of this week. The hardest sermons to preach are the ones where you all come and you know what I have to talk about. And I've got to figure out and I've got to wrestle with how do I communicate something of, of meaning in, in the face of, of what we have all experienced at some level. Not at the same level, not at the same degree. But, but we've all experienced. And, and I don't know how you process this week. Uh, you know, for, for me, a Florida kid, I mean, I've lived in Florida almost my whole life. You know, born in Georgia, but only lived there for six months. few years when I was at school. But other than that, I think of my 44 years, about 41 of them have been spent in Florida. So hurricanes are not new. They're, they're not. We, we've been through this to, to some level. I remember when, when Tony and I moved to Durham, North Carolina, the first months that we were there, Hurricane, was it Fran? Was it Hurricane Fran came up? Some of you remember. And, and, it's, and, and Durham is three hours from the beach. And as Hurricane Fran's moving up, people are getting frantic. And I will admit, in my youthful cockiness, I was laughing at that. I'm thinking, Durham is three hours in the Relax. You're going to be fine. And they're cleaning out shelves and stuff like that. And it actually did more damage in Durham than I'd ever seen in Florida, which was the, the, the kind of irony. But it still wasn't, it wasn't a life-threatening storm, other than extreme circumstances are, are abnormal. So, so hurricanes don't necessarily, you know, worry me greatly. Except this one. This one was different. I had conversations with people who asked me this week. They said... You know, what do we do? I said, I don't know. Th this one scared me as it was barreling down. And I think especially after we saw what it did in the, in the islands. And I know many of you evacuated. Many of you, you hunkered down. But this one, uh, I mean, we were, we were very fortunate. But this storm, the aftermath, is, is staggering. 420, I mean, 400, yeah, 420 miles wide is how big this storm was. I've never experienced something where my brother who lives on the other coast, who lives in Jupiter... He and I were talking on the phone Sunday night, and we're almost experiencing the same things at the same time. You know, the winds. I, I've just, you know, normally it's like, okay, you've got to be aware of this area. But, but everything, 420 miles, largest, possibly the largest U.S. evacuation um, ever. I think there were uh, 6 million, let me see if I got, because I wrote down some stats. Um, 6.3 million people were under evacuation orders in Florida. At 
It was a named storm for almost 14 days. You think you heard about Irma forever and ever? It's because it was a named storm for almost two weeks. It was a hurricane for over 11 days. It was a major hurricane for three. That means sustained winds of 185 miles an hour. When it came upon shore in the Keys, it was 135 miles an hour. Now, I walked out because I stayed here at the church. I walked out Sunday night because I had um, my dog, Dakota, with me. And I walked out here in the rain because I had to let her go to the bathroom because I didn't want to clean any of that up in here. And um, I think it was maybe 60 mile an hour winds and the trees were bending. I can't fathom this. I cannot fathom this. Six, over six million people out of power in these last weeks. Some of you still out of power. I mean, the, the, the point is, and you've heard some of this, the scope and the expanse of this. And I, and I think the fear this caused is certainly something that, that I have, have never experienced. And in the days of it and in the days after it, I, I found myself asking a question of myself. And, and it got summed up in a portion of a psalm I want to read. I want to begin, this wasn't kind of planned, it's not in the bulletin, but I want to begin with a few verses of Psalm 69. Psalm 69, is, as many of the psalms are, it's a, it's a prayer. And what I love about the psalms, if you haven't spent time in the psalms, is they are honest prayers. Sometimes they are prayers of praise and gratitude and thanksgiving. And sometimes they're prayers of, God, where are you right now? They're, they're honest and they're reflective. A lot of times we, we get fooled into thinking that, that, that the only time we should approach God is when we are offering gratitude and praise. God invites us always into his presence. And sometimes that means we come with our baggage and our uncertainty and even our questions and doubts. And, and God's there too. And that's what part of this prayer is. And I want you to hear these first few verses. It says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths, where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. And here is the phrase that become the focal point of the questions I ask. This is what the psalmist prays. My eyes fail looking for my God. My eyes fail looking for my God. And what became my question, my wrestling, my spiritual processing is, Lord God, where are you in the midst of this? Where do I see you? As I look for you, where do I see you in this storm, in the aftermath of this storm? And, and that becomes the question that I've asked at times during the week, as I've, I've gathered with some people in the church and some groups, I've said, in the aftermath, after the fact, sometimes a little easier after the fact, I said, where'd you see God? Where have you seen God this week? And some of the stories have been powerful, and I've, I've been impacted, and I've been thankful for, for those who have shared. Where have you seen God? That, that would be my question to you. If we were sitting down, just you and me talking right now, that's what I would ask you. In the aftermath, where have you seen God? And so that became my wrestling. Where do we see God? And I want to say for some, our, our natural instinct may have been that we were spared the devastation of the storm. That we, we see God in the fact that, that we were spared and that for many of us, damage was minimal to non-existent. Not for all of us. 
but, but for many of us. And, and I instinctively understand that impulse because I am really thankful for that. In fact, I, I will confess to you, it was, the, it was kind of the, the first thing on my thoughts Monday morning. As I said, I, I said Tony and Cassidy evacuated. Uh, they went up to Tennessee and they took a, a long weekend with Ryan. Um, for, for days before, when it was going to the East Coast, Tony's like, should we evacuate? I'm like, relax, it's fine. Relax, it's fine. And then it kept coming this way. And I said, Tony, time to go. And uh, so she and Cassie, she and Cassie, and some of you did as well, and, and left the state. And, and that was prudent, and, and that was smart. But some of you are like me, and you hunkered down in various places. And I hunkered down here. And part of it is because, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I've got my, my fur baby, Dakota, who is not a baby, big German shepherd. And a lot of hotels take pets up to 50 pounds. And Dakota, I couldn't even pretend to make that weight. So we came up here and, uh, and stayed here uh, through the night. And so Monday morning comes, and, and certainly we've weathered. We never even lost power here at the church until Monday after, you know, morning, which didn't seem right. But, um, <laughs> and so the first thing I did was wanted to go home and see what the house looked like. And uh, we were still under curfew, so not wanting to break the law. I didn't drive. I just walked. And I, I think that was, maybe that was still breaking the law. I don't know. You're not allowed out or you're not allowed to drive. I don't know. I'll plead ignorance. But uh, so Dakota and I walked home, and, uh, and I was looking, like many of you, how's the house? And I walked around, and I looked. And, and it got crystallized for me in a stuffed, water-soaked, dirty bunny that was on the back porch, back deck. It had been a chew toy for Dakota. And uh, it was sitting on the back deck of the parsonage. And I'd seen it there before when I was cleaning up important things, and I thought, it's a stuffed bunny. I'm not worried about the stuffed bunny. When I went home Monday, that stuffed bunny was exactly where I left it. I wish I'd kept it. I threw it away because it was so nasty looking. And in hindsight, I was like, ah, I should have kept it. But it was right where it was. And that, to me, kind of crystallized this gratitude I felt that everything was okay. The house was okay, the windows hadn't blown out, the roof tiles, everything was good. And, and, and I think it's okay to be, to be grateful for that. I was grateful for that. I know that we talk about the fact that, that it is stuff, it's material things, and it is. And it's certainly secondary to life and the things that matter most. But, but let's, not, let's not pretend it doesn't matter somewhat. It's still our stuff. It still matters to us. And I was incredibly thankful that it was okay. But, but I want to be honest with you. That's not where I see God in this. I'm thankful, but that's not where I see God. Because we have to be very, very careful here. Because a lot of us were celebrating that that storm did this, right? Yeah, great for manatee, not so good for polk. There are others who, who aren't as fortunate as we were. Now, I don't understand God's hand in all of this. I don't deny that God's at work. I just don't understand it all. But, but I'm very careful in limiting God's action to the fact that our material stuff didn't get wiped out. I'm very careful about limiting God. To, again, thankful for it, but, but careful. And, and we were celebrating that. And many of you didn't lose power at all. We had no power at the parsonage for three days. Um, so we didn't get it till Wednesday. So I went back to the parsonage. So I got to watch through Facebook all of you celebrating getting your lights back on. In the dark, eating Captain Crunch by candlelight at night. 
Um, and that's okay. But that reminded me, there's a scene, there's a scene, if you remember in the eight, 1989, there was a baseball movie called Major League, if you saw that movie, if you're a sports fan. And, and there's a scene when they're coming in for the final cuts, and they're, they go to their lockers, and they're going to find out if they made the team. And, and the kind of the, the grizzled veteran says to his says to his friends, he says, make sure you don't celebrate. You don't want to sell, if you make the team, don't celebrate because you don't want to celebrate in front of those who just died, you know, who just got cut. And, and I was thinking, I was giggling. It was, it was kind of like that, all you. I was happy for those of you that got power back as I was kind of gritting my teeth because I didn't. Um, but that was minor. That was of secondary importance. But, but as we're thankful for that, I want to be careful to say that's not powerfully for me where I necessarily saw God. I saw God in different places because so many have been so devastated by this storm. So many were not as fortunate, and we talked about that, not just in the U.S., but, but down in the islands, in, in um, St. Thomas and St. Martin and Barbuda and, and other places. And so when we, when, we, when we narrowly understand blessings to that, I think we miss... We misunderstand what a blessing is. Remember, Jesus talks about blessings in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6. And he talks about what are we blessed. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the hungry. And those are not material blessings that he's talking about. He's talking about God's presence in different ways than the world naturally understands it. So where do we see blessings? Well, we understand a promise that we have, that we talk a lot about. Jesus says it in Matthew 28, 20. Is part of his parting words. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We understand it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. These are the places we understand God's blessings. God's blessings comes in his presence. In his presence, not in eliminating the storms always, but being with us in the midst of those storms. And that God's promise is that he cares powerfully about each one of us. I want you to think about the implications of that. That God cares deeply about each one of us. I walked out on, I don't know, Monday night, Tuesday night after it had gotten dark. And of course, because the neighborhood's largely without power, the stars were beautiful. And, and I'm always, I always enjoy those moments when I can just survey from a, such a limited perspective the expanse of what God has created. And the wonder of creation. And to think that the one who created that knows your name. Cares about your struggles. Cares about your problems. And his promise to us is not always that I'm going to eliminate the difficulty, but that I'm going to be present in the midst of that difficulty. That I will be your strength. That's what Paul says. Persecutions, hardship, difficulties. When I'm weak, in those moments, the power of Christ is most strong. So we begin to celebrate, we begin to grab, grab for the promise. I begin to look for the power and the, the evidence of God's presence as we went through this. Because God says to us, I will be with you in it. And that's what makes our faith so powerful and so real. Because there's many worldviews, there's many philosophies, there's even, dare I say, some religions, that when, when things get tough, just don't hold up. In fact, there's a an analogy for this I came across in the early 70s in Fairfax, Virginia. They got, I guess it was a prototype, but it was a new helmet for firefighters. And it was, at that time, state-of-the-art. It was cutting edge. It was of a material that was incredibly strong and durable. It had 
it, it was ability to be sized and fit in new ways. Uh, it was scratch resistance. It was, I mean, it was kind of the envy of, of firefighters everywhere. But there was just one problem. They found out that when it got hot, they melted. All that protection, all that prettiness, all, when it got hot, it melted. It just didn't hold up. Jesus says that my presence will hold up. When, when life is hard, when the struggles are real, I will be present. And so, where do I see God? Where am I looking for God? And it, it becomes crystallized in the one focus verse this morning. In Matthew 18, verse 20. Matthew 18, verse 20. It's probably a verse that you have heard and, and are familiar with. Jesus says this. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. It comes on the heels of Jesus talking about really steps of building unity and bringing the church together and, and dealing with um, sin, dealing with brokenness, dealing with relationships that are falling apart. Jesus has talks about this, and, and he's referring really to, to an understanding from Deuteronomy of, of, of witnesses to the steps of, of bringing people together. And, and it's not a mistake that these two things are, are, are grouped together because God knows and Jesus knows that when people are unified in faith, when they come together in faith, when they're together with a unity of purpose and a unity of call and an obedience to God, that, that Jesus shows up in a real and powerful and a tangible way. When two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also. That's an interesting understanding of critical mass. Familiar with critical mass? Whatever it needs, whatever it takes to, to kind of accomplish something. When I, when I was doing new church studies, they talked about critical mass. And they said when you launch a service, you've got to have enough people. Because if you don't have enough people, then when guests show up, they won't stay. Because it's too sparse. They feel too out of place. You ever pulled into a restaurant and the parking lot was empty? And you don't want to get out of your car because you start to wonder, what's wrong with this restaurant? Nobody's here. It's critical mass. Somebody was telling me they used to have places along um, some of the back roads of Florida where they'd park cars and just leave empty cars out in front of restaurants to make it look like people were there. That's critical mass. Well, Jesus says, here's critical mass for the church, two or three. Two or three gathered in my name, I'm there. Now, that's not just, let, let's back up for a second. Jesus isn't saying that he's also not present with us in the private moments of prayer. Jesus isn't saying this is the only time. But what Jesus is saying is that I show up in a, in a real intangible way when you gather in my name, because we get to see Jesus in each other. We get to experience Jesus in the presence of others. There's, there's a story I've told before about a, a young girl who gets scared in a thunderstorm, and, and she runs into her mom and dad's room and crawls in bed with them. And they say, honey, what's wrong? And she says, the, the thunder and the lightning, it's scaring me. And she says, honey, just pray. God is with you. And she says, I know God is with me, but sometimes I need God with skin on. <laughs> right? That's two or three. We get to experience the presence of God with skin on. So where have I seen God? Let's go back to the question. Where have I seen? Jesus gives this powerful promise. I am there when you gather in my name. And that's where I've seen God. I've seen God in you. I've seen God in the gathering of the church. We think about this verse and we think about what we do on Sunday morning. God is with us when we come and we worship and we sing our songs of praise and we read the scriptures and we, we celebrate. And that is true. God is absolutely powerfully here in those moments. But we remember, this isn't the church. 
This is the church. And you take church with you when you leave. Where have I seen God? I've seen it in you. I've seen it in gatherings of people this week who before the storm made sure not only did they have provisions, but looked out for their neighbors and their friends and made sure they had provisions, especially those who weren't able to go get them. I saw God in the gathering of people who made sure that their homes were protected, but then went and put up plywood for their neighbors and their friends and took care of each other. I saw God in many of you who called and reached out to each other and said, you know what? You live in a modular home. I live in a block home. Come stay with me. Come be in my house. So those of you that reached out and said, make sure each other, ever, those who were more, more vulnerable, had a safe and secure place to be and gathered together, two or three in my name. There I am also. And I saw the pictures on Facebook and the times that you spent together. And you made... Uh, I don't want to say a party out of it. That's not the word I'm looking for, but, but a fellowship out of it. That's the word I'm looking for. You made fellowship. I saw it in the aftermath when some of you got power back right away and some of you maybe still don't have power. And you reached out and said, I got a bed. I got a place to be. Come, stay with me. Two or three gathered. There I am also. And I see it as we've gathered afterwards. Some of you have took care of neighbors, have cut down trees, have cleared debris. We had groups, youth were here. Um, people, kids from the neighborhood showed up to clean church property. Just came by to do it. As you've gathered together to take care of each other, two or three are gathered there. And that's where I've seen Jesus. I'm thankful for the other stuff. I'm thankful that so many of us came through unscathed. I'm thankful that we did. But where I've seen Jesus is in you. Where I've seen Jesus in your care for each other and for your neighbors and your communities. That's where I've seen Jesus. Where two or three gathered, there I am. Jesus with skin on. What a wonderful and powerful testimony. What a way to live into that promise. And then here's the challenge. For me, for you. Don't stop. Don't stop. We respond in the crisis as we should, but don't stop. Continue to be aware and attentive. And I know so many of you are. So many of you don't need me to say this. But sometimes I need to hear it. So some of you might need to hear it too. When the crisis has passed, the rebuilding's taken place, we're focused on other things, don't stop. Don't stop being the church. Don't stop being the place where people gather in Jesus' name because he shows up there. Be who you're called to be. Celebrate our identity and serve one another. Where two or three are gathered, there I am also. What a powerful, powerful promise. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for, for the church, for our imperfections, in our imperfections, in our failings, in our shortcomings. There are times when we so powerfully get it right, not by our ability, but because we are open to your Holy Spirit working within us. Help us to be more faithful, more obedient, and more caring to each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things about communion is that... Uh, we don't celebrate it alone. We celebrate it in community. 
and we recognize the fellowship we have with God through his promise, but the fellowship we have with each other. That's why we come together. And if it was just about hearing a sermon or a teaching, you could do that on TV. You could hear it better on TV. 